hey, I got to tell you, I'm going on a cruise with a whole bunch of rebels. We're sailing out of Fort Lauderdale on March 23rd, and we're going to bring some of our favorite rebel talent. And you are invited. That's rebelnewscruise.com. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roundup. I am your host today, Adam Sosen. Very happy to be joined by my co-host, Sid, my fellow Calgarian at heart. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Looking forward to the long weekend we have and Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, hopefully, there's a, a lot to be thankful for. I know under Justin Trudeau, it's difficult to see sometimes. But Adam, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. We might be having a half turkey this year with inflation the way it's going. Do you have? A, do you, is there something you do for Thanksgiving every year? or you change it uh, up? Not necessarily, but that half turkey, Adam, I, I'd be ill. I would uh, not recommend you call it a half turkey. After all, nowadays, that is a full turkey. Uh, that's this kind of a language barriers that we have with our politicians. Uh, it simply can't even agree on the, the small, smallest of things. Turkey inflation definitely happening in full force. We have got a lot to get to today, but before we get to that, uh, some of the nuts and bolts. If you are watching, you're likely watching on Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube, uh, Getter. I encourage you, if you are watching on YouTube, that's fine, but consider switching over to one of the platforms like Rumble that respects and supports free speech. Um, that is absolutely critical. We don't want platforms telling people what to say or how to say it. We simply want them to provide an opportunity for people to share their perspectives. Uh, the other fun thing with Rumble is you can actually participate and, and join in on a Rumble rant. And a Rumble rant is a way for you to sort of engage with us, provide some feedback. Unlike the mainstream media who only listens to the government, we actually listen to our viewers and work on their behalf as journalists. The other thing you can do, you can support us by joining on locals.com. You'll get access to all of our normal content plus some exclusive sort of behind the scenes stuff. So uh, that is a great way that you can support what we're doing. We do have a couple of really fun announcements. You might have got an email today um, featuring uh, rebelnewsalive.com URL. Now, I, I want to tell you about this event. This date has been announced. Tickets are available now. Uh, it's going to be Saturday, November 18th, 2023, right here in Calgary. Join hundreds of rebels from across Canada to enjoy a full day of speakers, food, music, socializing, and discovering exclusive Rebel News merchandise books. Our speakers will have a lot to say when they take the stage at Rebel News Live 2023. You'll even get to meet, interact with, and have your photo taken. We've got Rebel News cast, including Ezra Lament, Sheila Gunry, David Menzies, Dre Humphrey, Alexa Lavoie, and Tamari Fellini coming to Calgary. And of course, this is my home base. I will definitely be there. Uh, but it's not only the Rebel Newscast. You'll also hear from and get to meet from incredible and legendary intellectuals, professionals, experts, independent journalists, and activists. Again, that URL is rebelnewslive.com. It's going to be an incredible, incredible event. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The lineup that we have is just incredible. I, I do apologize for the sound. Uh, we've got some feedback coming in. I know it's not coming from my bike. So if we could just take a peek and get that sorted, I'd appreciate that. Um, so we've got newsmakers. Uh, we love to interview on our show. People you've seen on Rebel News. Um, you're going to be seeing them again in person. Uh, so that's an incredible event to attend. That's not the only event that we have. We've got more events coming up. Um, and, and one of these events that is coming up is our Rebel Cruise. Truly incredible events. Uh, so I've got so much feedback in my ear there. I do apologize because mm -hmm. it's really hard to hear anything. Um, so uh, 
Can you? Can everyone hear me? Okay. Um, if you love to go on cruises, uh, this Rebel uh, cruise is not just new staff. It's newsmakers we love to interview on our shows. Uh, and that's what makes this cruise so special. Over the course of the week, you'll have countless opportunities to talk one-on-one -on -one with your favorite Rebel News personalities in a casual setting. We'll have a private Rebel-only film screening, uh, receptions, series of panel discussions, question and answer sessions, where you can really dig into the issues. So this is an opportunity to engage with us on an unprecedented level. The other cool thing is uh, each night will rotate seats at dinner. So you'll uh, sit with a different Rebel celebrity, uh, your fellow Rebel enthusiasts. You might have dinner with... Uh, Alexa one night and Tamara Leap another night, Sheila another night. It's absolutely an incredible event. So it's going to be incredible. If you like cruising already, this is truly something unique. And if you've never been on a cruise ship, this is the way to start to experience it with like-minded folks and folks. Um, you can find all the details, different cabins at rebelnewscruise.com. Uh, I know you'll look back on it as a vacation of a lifetime. Everyone I know who's been on one of these cruises says it was the absolute best experience of their life so do consider coming to one of those uh, we're going to jump to a really quick ad break now while we address uh, some of the sound we'll come back we'll get right into the stories of the day come on out november 25th it's all aboard the freedom train in niagara on the lake you can check rebel news for updates and also the freedom passport site Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers' Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists, like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the Freedom Train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk. Hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twccanada.health slash rebel today. Well, I do apologize for that, folks. Uh, I, I think we are uh, good to go now. I do apologize if any of that was a little unclear. I just had uh, like a violent feedback going off in my ear the whole time I was trying to read, so I do apologize for that. Uh, without further ado, we will get into the stories of the day, and boy, oh boy, there are a lot of stories to get to. Um, you know, th this first one, there's a bunch of these. There's there's stories about the, the Montana trip, a bunch of other trips, but Trudeau's latest Tofino vacation cost taxpayers $287,000. Hey, Sid, really quickly, um, I was just wondering, uh, When's the last time you spent $287,000 on a vacation? It's uh, been a long time, you could say. I don't think I've ever come close to spending that amount of money, that amount of money on anything. 
uh, yet here he is. This is the latest one. And, you know, it's almost sad. It's every single day there's a new announcement that Justin Trudeau has done something, uh, let's call it in poor taste, as it were. Uh, Adam, wh when was the last time you uh, spent this amount of money on anything? Well, you know, well, last week between reports, I was in St. Bart's for uh, a couple days and I, I decided I needed to uh, get some additional diamonds for my collection. So uh, probably would have been in the last week or two. Uh, no, of course not. This is ridiculous. And the, the level of disconnect, I, I remember, and we've talked about this before, the days when like an $80,000 scandal would put some someone out of politics for the rest of their life. Now it seems to be just an absolute... Uh, a smooth sailing, clear pass for Justin Trudeau. He can do anything. And I guess that's what you get when you have this sort of, this guy would be a hell of a car salesman. When you have this sort of brashness and audacity to just never believe you can be wrong about anything, uh, that, then it's not surprising to see that you can just get away with this too. Uh, the fact that, the fact that there's still people who support this guy is what's vexing. He's plummeting in the popularity. But the fact he just keeps doing things like this and he really doesn't care. And people continue to support him. Uh, and the NDP, the federal NDP, continue to prop him up. That is what is absolutely wild about this to me. Yeah, no, exactly. Where is the NDP through all of this? They're they're either silent or silently supporting Justin Trudeau and the Liberals in their basically their entire agenda. Uh, it seems like Justin Trudeau can do no wrong in their eyes, especially while they're being led by, of course, Jagmeet Singh. It, it is truly shameful uh, to see this behavior. And, you know, hopefully there's a, a bit of sanity that will come from the Conservative Party. And they do speak to a lot of these issues, but it's it's all around a hot mess. Yeah, it is. And the other thing that I've noticed that is great and that I'm really appreciative of is the sort of evidence that the tide is beginning to turn over the past few weeks. And I mean, people poked a bit of fun because uh, Pierre Polyev tweeted in support after hiding in the bushes for a couple days that uh, he, he uh, supports parents and parental rights. Um, now he's also jumping on uh, this uh, criticism a little more boldly because I think he senses that the tide is turning. People are sick of playing these games and, and going along with it. Uh, but Pierre Pelleva recently tweeted, now Trudeau wants you to believe he didn't say what he said, which is the, which is pretty on par for Trudeau. Uh, he accused parents of this hate when they raised concerns about schooling. He, defied, he divides to distract by creating villains out of Canadians, parents, hunters, truckers, and anyone else who disagrees with them. And I love there that parents, hunters, truckers, anyone else who disagrees with them. But those three groups are the principal groups who have been targeted, maligned, and vilified by this government. Parents who love their kids, hunters who, by the way, are the most responsible environmentalists and ecologists and help with healthy pet populations, or with healthy, not pet, that's Bob Barker, but with healthy uh, animal populations in the wild. Um, and then the truckers who, when you talk to people internationally who are concerned about freedom, People don't, I think, grasp the extent to which the trucker story impacted people around the world. James Lindsay, Dr. James Lindsay, was in an event the other night, and, and he, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya the other night was in an event. Both of them sort of herald the truckers as champions of freedom the world over, and it was so incredible to see these groups, these polite Canadians, taking a stand. Good to see politicians, potentially the next uh, leader of this country, Pierre Polyevre, if, uh, if polls are to believed standing with these people for a change. Uh, do you think that this is a signal that the tide is turning? Well, I think the tides are definitely turning and uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly doing uh, his, his part 
start to capitalize on it. Uh, I would mention, though, that, you know, Trudeau's talk of hate, you know, he said he didn't use these words of hate. Well, you can pull up his tweets where he is explicitly directing this uh, uh, hateful language, you know, that these LGBTQ people, uh, the people that are concerned about this stuff in schools, he calls it hateful. He did the same thing with the vaccinated, uh, the unvaccinated, as it were, were the uh, fringe minority. They were uh, hateful, racist, sexist bigots. He's using the same thing here. And both times, what does he do? Uh, when the, the political tides turn, as it were, he says, oh, no, I didn't say that. Literally, he, he's point blank lying about what he used to say and how he used to engage on these uh, policies. Yeah, let me. This is uh, the Justin Trudeau tweet here. Uh, this yeah. hate and its manifestations, uh, the same thing over and over again. He really is the emperor who isn't wearing any clothing. And now everyone's <laughs> calling him out for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's this cognitive dissonance. And he doesn't even bother to say like, oh, no, I wasn't saying like you could sort of if you were smart, which he's not finagle your way saying no 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 i only meant like people who do espouse those views the parents who were at those protests that's not who i was talking about you could like sort of lie cleverly but he's like no i never said that <laughs> he's like i didn't tweet that out of my own account it's wild and and then people believe him uh to see some of the and they're so fake like it's the most forced thing you've ever seen but the trending like i stand with trudeau as he like invites a nazi in and then refuses to apologize or spends a quarter million dollars on a vacation like, am I to believe that there's actually people out there who are tweeting like, I, I support this. I support applauding Nazis and quarter million dollar vacations at taxpayers' expenses. It's a complete disconnect from reality. This guy is absolutely embarrassing us. And he's not just embarrassing us here. It's amazing talking to people in the United States who don't know about Canadian politics. They're like, what's with this Trudeau guy? He's such a, it's, it, this is an international incident. Uh, speaking of international incidents, let's jump now to this uh, trip, uh, this clip rather of uh, Putin calling Justin Trudeau uh, an idiot. Let's check this clip out. It's uh, It's something else. Но если он не знает, что во время войны против России сражался Гитлер и его приспешники, то он идиот. Ну, значит, просто, он, значит, просто в школе не учился, не имеет элементарных знаний. А если он знает, что этот человек сражался на стороне Гитлера и называет его героем Украины и героем Канады, то он негодяй. Или так, или так. Мы относимся к Канаде, несмотря ни на что, с уважением, особенно к людям. Но если он не знает, что во время войны против России сражался Гитлер и его приспешники, то он идиот. Он, значит, просто, он, значит, просто в школе не учился, не имеет элементарных знаний. А если он знает, что этот человек сражался на стороне Гитлера и называет его героем Украины и героем Канады, то он негодяй. Или так, или так. Мы относимся к Канаде. Hey, yeah, so you saw that a couple times there. So just for clarification's sake, obviously everyone's saying this is about uh, uh, Trudeau, which is what the he the headline on the tweet is. Obviously, he's he's there technically speaking about Speaker Rhoda. But if you watch the original clip, and don't worry about pulling it up, but if you watch the original clip, 
it's clear that the speaker, though he clearly botched this and should have done his job and not uh, done this, you can see as he reads this script that he's clearly never seen before, you can watch his face as he reacts to the fact that he's realizing who this guy is. Um, Trudeau denied meeting with this guy. Apparently there's a number of reports he was at least scheduled to meet with the gentleman. Um, but the Liberal Party invited this guy in. They had to know, particularly when they had a, war, a world leader who was at war within the building. They clearly would have been on their top watch when... Justin Trudeau comes to Calgary. He goes out of his way to make sure that we're excluded from press conferences, even if the provincial government will let us be there. So if they take time to screen me or you or anyone else, um, they're certainly going to take time to screen uh, quote unquote war hero that they are bringing in here. So, but just, it continues, whether it's the, the leader of India, the leader of Russia, not to say that these people run perfect countries or don't have issues of their own. Believe me, they do. But we've never been the embarrassment on the international stage. We've generally been the one that, that does things right, that does okay, that doesn't uh, that doesn't do massively, massively embarrassing things like this. The last time we had Canada was this embarrassed was Justin Trudeau's dad twirling behind the Queen. Like that's the last time Canada was this much of a laughingstock. And I think that we're more of a laughingstock than ever. What do you think? Yeah, well, and what actions is Justin Trudeau taking? You know, there's that half-baked apology he made on behalf of Parliament, as it were. Uh, but what's he actually doing to reconcile this? Is there an investigation into this individual now that he's been brought to attention? Uh, is there? Uh, is he going to say, you know, we're sorry, you know, it's not going to happen again? Or is he going to say, oh, look, there might be a former Nazi who committed war crimes and we're not investigating him. Now he's hiding somewhere in the backwoods of Canada and we're just going to let him be. Uh, so, yeah, let's just forget about the whole situation here. Uh, that's not the right approach. And there's actually an article from Blacklock's uh, reporter that brings up this possible secret list of Nazis that came over after World War II to Canada. Um, isn't that just incredible? The plot is really thickening, uh, especially with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland. Uh, their blatant disregard for these associations and ties to Nazism, uh, as it were. Adam, what's your take on all this? Yeah, the, the legacy of this is truly troubling, and it's it's wild. Like, I know there's reports out there, and I don't know if these are all verified, but uh, basically, like, SS officers were considered to be, like, contributors. And don't get me wrong, I understand that there was, like, projects to bring uh, former Nazis over, or at least, I mean... Let's say, let's call them what they are, Nazis, over to help with scientific projects so they wouldn't be doing that. Some of those people intentionally descended. Some of them were pulled away. And in exchange for sort of helping the effort against the Nazis, they, they kind of looked over what had happened. I'm not saying that that's entirely right, but you can at least understand that. But the situation in Canada is different. Apparently, you could effectively show your SS tattoo and you'd have a fast track. This is what people are stating out there. I don't know if these reports are confirmed, but I've heard uh, numerous people stating this. Uh, you, it would fast track citizenship because you were like, oh, you're one of the good guys. There's particularly within the sort of liberal legacy of Canada, um, but it, under several governments, there has been a problem of sympathy towards Nazis within our government. Um, uh, it's unreal. It's unreal to think that this is what this is what has been happening. Th those are the folks we were fighting against. Those are the folks we were putting an end to, and those are the folks that progressives, liberal supporters, Justin Trudeau himself calls Nazis like they they call everyone else Nazis under the sun progressives and then their government seemed to be okay with bringing them in expediting them coming in it's it is certainly a troubling legacy to say the very least and and frankly it's one that I'm I think if this incident wouldn't have happened 
uh, in Parliament, we probably wouldn't have known about to the same extent. Obviously, we know people were coming over, but the fact that they weren't sort of, I guess you can come in, but it was almost actively encouraged. That's news to me. What about you? Yeah, no, it's it's shocking to say the least, but based on the apologies and the silence, you know, apology, lack of apologies and the silence that we're seeing, the way that the, our federal ministers are trying to massage the situation, they don't care. They're not taking action against the issue here. They're trying to cover up their own actions. Uh, they're, they're not doing anything to actually remedy the situation in any meaningful way. All they want to do is bury it. And this is the exact same thing. Uh, I believe MPs uh, from uh, Justin Trudeau's, you know, liberal cabinet as are, uh, their liberal ministers uh, informed CBC uh, reporters that this is the mentality Trudeau has is he just wants people to forget about it. Don't talk about it. Forget about it. Move on. But it's not going to work because every well, I mean, actually, in a sense, it kind of does work because every Every day there is a new scandal to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, but this one I do believe really bears remembering and people aren't going to forget this. This truly made Canada out to be an international embarrassment. It, it yeah. show it shone a light uh, for the world on what's actually going on here. Well, and I think it also made the point of, of really highlighting that this government is not sort of oven for the people mm -hmm. by any metric. Like, the, the good Canadian sort of stories you hear about are about resistance, are about the Freedom Convoy, are about those other things, are about the pushback. Like when you see positive news from other countries, it's about the stand against sort of LGBTQ indoctrination in schools. It's about the trucker convoy. And the majority of people are sort of in support of that. If you talk to people abroad, they'll reference that as a good thing. And then they'll reference the government as a bad thing. And, and, and that's the situation we've come to. The government is no longer like, oh, yeah, the Canadian government. They're the peacekeepers who do a lot of foreign aid um, and do a good job sort of mitigating global economic crises so that people can live a quality of life. We've become the country that invites Nazis in, wears blackface, dances, and not the people, but the government. The one thing that I will say that I think is good news is the clear divide there, though. People are not associating Canadians at large with the, this government. They they understand that there's a difference. Um, and I, for one, am happy with the tide turning that the polls are starting to shift. Because I think up until quite recently, sadly, and this is like heartbreaking to say, but I think the majority of Canadians were right there with Trudeau um, and they weren't sort of awake to what is happening with this government um, and I think that the, the absurd piling on, despite the fact that the media is bought and paid for and props this guy up, despite the fact Jagmeet Singh will lob these soft criticisms but then completely ramp up this government, despite all of that, the institutions all being in favor of this guy, Canadians are finally waking up and I mean maybe it took a Nazi in Parliament <laughs> for that to happen it is wild though, this uh, Liberal MP Yvonne uh, Baker from Etobicoke, uh, Central Ontario, uh, the chair of the Parliament's Canada-Ukraine Friendship Group said, revived interest in Nazi fugitives should not distract from the ongoing war in Ukraine. Uh, Baker's grandfather immigrated from Bukovnia in 1949. Vladimir Putin, as we speak, is committing war crimes in Ukraine, Baker told reporters. It is really, really important that we stay united in support of the people of Ukraine. You know what? That the sentiment there might be fine, but my key issue is let's not focus on Nazi fugitives who are in Canada. Let's forget about that and let's focus on this foreign conflict using a sort of troubling foreign conflict to say, let's not focus about this. It's to your point that you just made. It's always look over there, look over there. There's something we're at war with this. We're at war with that. They're never willing to sort of fess up, acknowledge and address the mistakes that they're causing. 
Well, and a huge red flag is that anytime there is a problem, like, for instance, them inviting and celebrating a Nazi in Parliament, what do they do? Just they for example. Blame... Yeah, wait, well, but what do they do? They blame the Russians. What do they do in the Freedom Convoy? They said Russian, you know, infiltrators or whatever are a part of this movement they keep going back to russia 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 bad and if, if that's constantly the go-to here for all of these different issues that have nothing to do with russia or the conflict between them and ukraine well i think that's more of a reason for us to be concerned about them influencing that situation about them financing the opposition to russia because clearly russia is the scapegoat of all evils well i think we need to be extra critical whenever they do this of what they're actually saying and where their money's actually going and what the justifications are especially when christia freeland uh, and just and Trudeau can't admit to themselves or to the world, which who clearly sees them as they are, that they, yeah. they invited and celebrated a Nazi and that well, Christian Freeland is literally the offspring of Nazis uh, who yeah. did some pretty bad things. It's a, a shocking reality and it shows you the split uh, between them and everyday Canadians. And if, if that wasn't bad enough, and if, if, if you wouldn't think like, hey, the Liberal government probably doesn't want to reference Nazis for a bit, let's go to this Melissa Lantzman tweet here. Um, outrageous and offensive, she says. Just days ago, this little liberal, little government, I should say, liberal government failed to prevent a Nazi being honored in Parliament. Now their MPs are downplaying the evils of the Nazi regime with garbage like this. Uh, so this is a, a member of parliament for, I believe, Surrey, BC, a liberal member of parliament. If Joseph, Joseph Goebbels can pick up question period down there, he will be so proud of conservatives. Spouting a lie often enough and loudly enough is a tried and true tactic. Uh, spouting multitudes of them, the Tories have perfected this. Oh my gosh, like this is the most, one, no one lies more. I mean, maybe the NDP lies more than the liberals, but it's pretty darn close. But to tweet this after you guys invited a Nazi in is just the most idiotic and tone deaf thing. Like literally, and this is the wild thing, if this was a conservative politician in a similar situation, they would have to resign right now, immediately after well, tweeting this. Well, what is it? The the former Minister of Environment and Climate Change, they changed the title to include climate change, pardon me, climate change, yeah. uh, Catherine McKenna. Uh, this was her exact go-to. She said in uh, some bar when she was getting a little tipsy, she just said, you know, you repeat it over and over and over again, and they'll believe yeah. you in the parliament. You just say it. And it'll be true, you know, like it, this psychotic behavior is what's enveloped itself or has been enveloped uh, in the Liberal Party. It's absolutely atrocious behavior. And we're seeing it time and time again. And and usually what they'll do is they'll, you know, uh, uh, project exactly what they're doing. And I think that's very much so what this person has done. Uh, and the Liberals, it's their tried and true method is to say things, even though they don't care whether or not they're true. Yeah. You know, I do want to jump to one uh one more video before we jump to an ad break, um, and this, this ties into our next segment, but uh, it's the video of Liberal MP Ken McDonald who broke with the party on the carbon tax uh, vote, um, and it's he, he's representing his constituents, saying they can't afford groceries, they can't afford to, to heat their homes. So finally, we've seen a few instances where Liberals, rare, but occasional instances where Liberals have broken uh, with the party. This is one of those instances. Um, people like this of conviction, it's very hard to break ranks. The Liberal Party... Uh, they whip their MPs good. Uh, so let's listen to his uh, his message uh, and, and uh, kudos to him for taking a stand on behalf of his constituents. Uh, everywhere I go, people come up to me and say, you know, we're losing uh, faith in the Liberal Party. Uh, they appreciate the fact that I've stood up now twice uh, to do away with a carbon tax or to ask for it to be delayed. Uh, I said to someone earlier today, I said, I stand with Premier Fury in trying to get 
not this done away with as such, but get it delayed till we get past this affordability issue. People are finding it very difficult. I've had people tell me they can't afford to buy groceries, uh, they can't afford to heat their homes. And that's hard to hear from especially seniors who live alone and uh, tell me that they go around their house in the spring and winter time with a blanket wrapped around them because they can't afford the home heating fuel and they can't afford to buy beef or chicken. I mean, that's mm. heart-wrenching when you hear somebody say that to you. And my purpose and the way I voted was to make sure that their voices are heard. Uh, Stephen yeah. Gilbo, obviously, is the point person for your government on this. Yeah. I talked to a lot of people who are politically active in Atlantic Canada, and they say he is a problem in the region, that he's too dogmatic on this and a mm. flashpoint, and he doesn't get the issues of the region. Is he the right messenger for that part of the country on this? No, he's not. And because he's so entrenched in us, and, and, and I get it, I, I mean, where he came from and, and his whole idea of uh, making a big difference in climate change, but you can't do it all overnight. You can't make it more expensive on people than what they can handle. And that's exactly what's happening right now, is the, the government has to put a lens on us, a rural lens for sake of a better word, and try and come up with a plan that's satisfactory and appealable to people who live in rural. Now, maybe no plan will be appealable to rural, I don't know, mm -hmm. but I think the government has to try. And if they do that, I think they got a chance of uh, moving past it and go on and whatever the polls will be, the polls will be. So that one, I absolutely love the accent, it's the best. Um, and I, I love, he, he says in such plain terms, in such a charming accent, uh, what almost all Canadians are thinking. Um, and it is so refreshing. Like, literally, that's what it is. We joked off the top about half a turkey. Um, but that is, that is the very valid concern. It's people are like, people are actually having to make those considerations. Like, we're going to cut back on desserts this year. We're, we're just going to do a turkey breast. We can't do a whole turkey. That is the outcome of this government, is everybody across this country suffering. Um, so I, for one, it is a harbinger of, of the end for sure. Not just that conservative politicians actually sound conservative and are being supported, but that even the liberal politicians are starting to sound somewhat conservative and rejecting uh, this Trudeau government and what they are doing to this country. Uh, what, what did you make of that, Sid? Well, that's exactly, that's exactly it. The Liberal Party is cracking in many ways. And you know, you think about it, $9 billion, almost $10 billion that we've sent to Ukraine, right? And, and every single Canadian is going to be paying more for Turkey this Thanksgiving. And how many of them are going to choose not to buy Turkey because they can't afford it now? And yet we're off spending billions of dollars internationally. And you look at all the crises that are building here. It's irreparable damage. I mean, how many of these people, especially the elderly, they're going into the final years of their life life and Justin Trudeau is destroying them. This is absolutely atrocious behavior. And you know, no wonder the Liberal Party is is crumbling here. It, it's about damn time. Pardon my language. I don't know if you know, that's too harsh a, a, a whatever for the censors, but uh, it's about time. It's about time because Justin Trudeau has destroyed the word liberal. He has made it meaningless in this country. It, it's an absolute shame. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, so on that note, we're going to jump into a quick commercial break. Then we're going to come back, get through a lot more stories today. So quick commercial break, and then we will be right back. 
You may have heard us previously refer to the term Orwellian in response to the way that governments around the world have acted throughout the COVID-1984 hysteria. But do you know what these terms really mean? Well, they come from the dystopian writings of author George Orwell. And now you can read one of his most famous works, novel 1984, better than ever before, to hear the terms that we refer to often, such as the Ministry of Truth, wrong think, thought police, etc. straight from the horse's mouth. You can find it at buy1984.com where Rebel News is excited to launch this revamped classic tale. It's not revamped at all in terms of what was actually written. In fact, all of the writings themselves remain entirely unchanged. But we're now bringing you this harrowing futuristic novel fully illustrated and with a larger, easier to read font size. There is a foreword by Rebel Commander, Ezra Levant, and you can order it directly through that website buy1984.com. The parallels between the depictions of the surveillance state and Orwellian's totalitarian depictions in 1984 contrasted with what we are seeing today in our democracies should not be ignored. Go to buy1984.com and purchase your book today. And hey, maybe even order a copy or two for a friend. It's the perfect gift that keeps on giving. And you'll never be able to view the doublespeak of certain politicians the same way again. That's buy1984.com. Yeah, 1984, they're an absolutely critical read. Uh, the other night, as I mentioned, Dr. James Lindsay was in town here. Great turnout for that event. But he talked about, and, and there's debate over Nazi, communist, whatever these politicians may be, but the fact is their methodologies are the same. They are totalitarian in nature. Um, and if you are a freedom fighter who has not read 1984, you have to get that book because it allows you to see through so much of what is happening. Uh, it is a prophetic book, so pick it up. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about really quickly, and I don't think I've ever seen a sale quite this big on the Rebel News Store, um, we're having a Thanksgiving sale right now, and I, I literally like check to make sure that this is right. You can actually get 30% off your entire order. I think that's probably the best sale we've ever had, or at least pretty darn close to it. And if we can scroll down there, some of these new sort of hunter and firearms rights are... Uh, uh, Shirts are incredible. I haven't ordered a shirt for, for maybe like a month now, and I am looking at some of these shirts, uh, and I need some. So those are incredible. Um, so you can get 30% off your entire order. Now, that's at rebelnewsstore.com. Go check it out. There's in, some incredible stuff. It's a fun way to support uh, what we're doing and also get something out of it. And it's also fun to run into you at events when you're wearing those shirts and we kind of know, oh, if you're wearing a firearm shirt or a church shirt or a freedom shirt or a convoy shirt, we kind of can connect with you right away because we know why or what you're really interested in on Rebel News. Uh, it's funny, I was wearing, Sid, you edited the video actually, I was wearing one of our uh, Don't Ottawa My Alberta shirts doing a bumper for the end of a video and someone in the background just yelled, hey Adam, what's on your shirt? So uh, it's an incredible conversation starter too. Plus, you, you never know when you You'll run into another rebel fan in the wild and if you're wearing that shirt they'll definitely uh spark up a conversation so 30 percent off now at rebelnewsstore.com on that note lots more stories coming let's jump to speaking of don't ottawa my alberta this video clip um with uh premier daniel smith 
laying out three circumstances that would cause her to use Alberta's Sovereignty Act to push back against Ottawa's energy plans. Okay, uh, you know, I, I, I do want to ask one more thing here in regards to the regulations, because you've already raised the, the specter of, of using Alberta's Sovereignty Act to, to oppose mm-hmm. it. At what, at what point will you trigger that? I know you're, you're having your own officials and your, your, your cabinet looking into it, but at what point would you trigger the invocation of that act? There's three things. If they proceed with the 2035 net zero power grid that will criminalize the building of natural gas units, but we won't use it. If they bring through an aggressive emissions cap on our natural gas and oil sector, they've been talking about 42% reduction by 2030, which would essentially be a production cap, we'll use it. And if they bring through an over-aggressive emissions target on methane, we've already reduced methane 45%. We're continuing to move on that but we're hearing some pretty troubling signs that they also want to set a target that's unrealistic and unachievable by 2030. Those would be the three things. As I said, we are aligned around 2050. I know and have confidence in my business sector that as they start seeing new incremental improvements in technology, as we start having the timeframe to be able to develop some of those new technologies, we can get there by 2050. But I'm, you know, I have to be realistic and I have to be practical and I have to be truthful. And the truth is 2035 is not achievable and uh, the federal government needs to know it. You know, what really resonates with me there is when you when you look at the uh, the media, McLean's, I think, recently had Daniel Smith on the cover of their magazine and called her a folksy kook or something just uh, dis, dis, sort of I mean, dishonorable something along those lines anyways. That sounded pretty practical to me. She's like, here are three very when would you do this? She's thought this out. Here are three conditions that are untenable under which we would be forced to do this. These are the lines in the sand that you cannot cross. Um, and 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 they, they have plans for 2050. And again, you and I have talked about this. I don't care about net zero by 2050. It doesn't mean anything to me. But I certainly will take 2050 over 2035 because there's no plans for 2035 by this federal government. This federal government doesn't plant the trees they promise, doesn't clean up the sewers they promise, doesn't provide clean water to First Nations like they promise, and doesn't do anything to help the environment other than take tax dollars away from people. Uh, this provincial government actually has a plan to do something on this on a reasonable timeline that won't see rolling blackouts. Uh, I, for one, I, frankly, if they didn't talk about this anymore and just said no one moved on with their lives and didn't reference 2050, I'd be fine with that. But I, I'm happy to see a calculated, planned out, rational response where these are our lines, we're not playing games. Uh, now, it'll be interesting to see if those lines are crossed, how quickly this happens and how quickly Alberta asserts its autonomy. But uh, this this is certainly, and I mean, this is week after week now, but it's refreshing to see that not only are they saying we're going to push back, but now they're pointing out these are the points that we have. And that wasn't a planned press release. It almost sounded like one. That was a response to a question. That's how prepared they are right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's, it's certainly a good thing to have the Premier of Alberta uh, with sovereignty in mind, because uh, you want to use your you want to have power against the federal government. And that's exactly what she's focused on is she is focused on holding the federal government to account and allowing industry to grow and develop. And we've talked about this previously, as you mentioned, and Smith is very much so in alignment with the industry. You know, you and I may personally have our qualms about the environmental, you know, case for 2050. Uh, but regardless, she is, you know, helping the industry do what the industry is trying to do while maintaining, a, while doing it in a realm of feasibility. Whereas Justin yeah. Trudeau and, you know, his gang over at the World Economic Forum, they've decided, and, and the United Nations, let's not forget, uh, they've decided 2035 is, you know, 
the main go-to target or that was the target. Now there's obviously debate, debate uh, amongst which year it'll happen, but they're all going for that same path. And Justin Trudeau is sticking to the hardest. He's the hardest amongst them. He's going for the path that is literally starving Canadians on a daily basis. And, and there's obviously a much better alternative being presented here, which is, okay, you want to do the transition? Well, let's lay out a framework of a realistic transition instead of one that's going to start killing Canadians. Yeah. And well, already has and it's like this environmental Marxism. It is a religion and it seems to be the only I mean, I know P Trudeau professes at least to formally have been Catholic. I don't know what he professes to be now, but he's a, he's an environmental Marxist. That's his religion. And he's unwilling to compromise or bend the knee. And 2035 is the dogma that has been set forth. Um, let, let's jump to this next clip now, though. And I want to talk about the use of this word denialism, um, because that's also a word that's been used and abused and disused but let's let's watch this other clip uh, from premier daniel smith uh, from the interview but you know there was a reception uh this week in ottawa that the prime minister attended i know you're well aware of it it was with a group of alberta business leaders who, uh, who did come to the nation's capital and the prime minister he did not name names but he did say that there are politicians who would rather deny facts of climate change than take action and by den by denying facts he argues are denying certainty for investors opportunities for workers and denying a kids a future they deserve uh, what's your reaction to to that pushback from the prime minister again not naming names but politicians in general who don't agree I'm not sure who he's talking about because he's not talking about me. I have said that we need to reduce emissions and get to carbon neutrality by 2050. I, I wish that the media would also report exactly what those business leaders told him time and time again in every meeting that 2035 was not achievable in Alberta, would result in a lack of investment, lack of stability, and they're aligned with our target of uh, 2050. Some think that they could even get there by 2045. And so they, I, I would say that the business community in Alberta the, our Alberta electric system operator and us are aligned on the same target, which is 2050 at emissions neutrality. You even saw in Ontario, their electric system operator also expressed concern about the lack of stability and reliability of, re, of trying to attain a target too early. So this isn't about denialism. This is about what is achievable. We need to achieve the target that also ensures reliability and affordability. That's what a power grid is for, is so that when people turn the lights on, it comes on. When people need their furnace turned on, it comes on. And it's our obligation as a province, which has the exclusive jurisdiction, that's what it says in the Constitution, exclusive jurisdiction to manage our power grid, to be very forceful in ensuring that we're protecting our consumers. And that's what I'm doing. So this whole ask, like, the environment is a scientific question. It's not a dogmatic question or a philosophical question about rights. Um, and, and it's troubling everyone from Pope Francis's recent encyclical, which is problematic in its own as a Catholic, not too happy about it, but to the, this federal government, they use the term about like very valid questions and looking at scientific evidence and asking questions. By the way, that is the scientific process. They refer to asking questions or being doubtful as denialism denialism is a term we use about the holocaust or like i don't know maybe sweatshops or slavery or, or, or horrific instances like that i don't think it's a term that we should be using so flippantly um about something that is a scientific question that is despite what they would tell you um up for debate there is no consensus on this it's absurd the same way there was no consensus on covid and they tried to manufacture one despite the fact that it wasn't True. But what do you make of this sort of sentiment that that anyone who doesn't agree to the absurd metrics, which have nothing to do with the environment and have to do with collect, collecting taxes, is a denialist? 
Oh, I think it's just a little bit, I, I don't know. It, it reminds me of James Lindsay uh, in the discussions that were had in the uh, the previous interview you did with him, uh, where he's talking about this mentality uh, that they have, a lot of these lefties. And if there's one truth that comes to light or one truth that is brought forward, it, it invites other truths to be revealed. And this is the dilemma, because once you allow for questioning, you allow for the whole house of cards to fall, it's, it's only a matter of time at that point. That's why they got to nip it in the butt. If you're even questioning these things, or, or if you say that something can't be done, uh, like a 2035 agenda, you must be out to lunch, right? Because there's no other option aside from my option. Uh, what's your take on that? The, the craziness, I think, just keeps on going down. Absolutely. And the, it, this is the thing, though, is the people who just invited a Nazi in are using the denialist language intentionally to brand someone as a villain like they're that like they're using someone who has questions they're using this term denialist intentionally um and that is troubling that is extremely concerning and it, it's it's rhetoric and it's propaganda and, and sadly like it is working for some people like some people really believe that this is wild but the the like like dr james Lindsay said if there's a little bit of truth there, people can connect. But the problem is there is no truth because lots of these things Quebec has already done for themselves. And it's fine because they're kind of sometimes liberal voters. Um, they, they've done everything that's being discussed, whether it be the pension plan, whether it be a provincial police force, whether it be all these kooky, crazy things that Daniel Smith is doing. The, the Quebec government has already done it. Nobody has any problem with that. The Alberta NDP doesn't criticize it. The federal liberals don't criticize it. Nobody criticizes Quebec for asserting their rights. The second Alberta does it in any way, shape or form, they're denialists and they're kooks and they're stealing your pension and it's completely disconnected. And, and and it's just gone so far. And, and and one of the things we talked about is just, and actually Ezra, uh, we talked about this when we were sort of not on camera, but one of the brutal things you see is venues canceling events that are sharing reasonable perspectives, for example. Once those people, those people are just people who are running businesses. They're normal, down-to-earth people running businesses. And then the woke mob gets them and they become implicit. They become sort of sympathizers, supporters, whatever it may be, by being pressured into canceling an event. It's almost like the woke mob gets them. And this is happening right across this country. And it's not the majority. It's it's like in Calgary, there's probably 10 people calling these venues over and over and over and harassing them to the point they're canceling events like the Dr. James Lindsay event, which regardless managed to go off without a hitch. But I, I want to jump now to this tweet from this Toronto jazz radio station. Now, I want to remind you that... This ad, the Tell the Fed campaign from the provincial government, is effectively about concerns over rolling blackouts in winter, which in Canada is problematic. A hot part of California, rolling blackouts, not great, but not necessarily the end of the world. This is a campaign about how we need grid stability. There is nothing contentious about this whatsoever. This Toronto Jazz Station stated, We want to thank our listeners for their feedback about the government of Alberta's national ad that was heard on our station. We've chosen to cancel this contract effective today, and these ads will cease running on Jazz FM 91, effective at midnight tonight. So this is not like hate speech. This is not an organization that has been connected with problematic elements or terrorism or threats of violence abroad. This isn't the, the founder of an organization advertising has been charged with something. This is the government of Alberta saying, listen, if we do this, we're probably going to have rolling uh, brownouts, potentially even blackouts during winter, and that is dangerous for our people. And it's now uh, safe to cancel 
over uh, a couple call-ins from the woke mob. This one really, this isn't an event by a private organization with a certain ideology that might not align with the radio station. This is the government saying we can't do this right now because people are going to freeze in winter. Yeah, well, you know, I think the the canceling here is a bit silly, and not to say that I disagree with uh, Premier Smith and the advertising being presented here. However, it does make me think, you know, to what extent should the government be allowed to put out messaging to the public like yeah. this? Uh, that's, I guess, at the end of the day, my question to come out of this, um, even though I think, you know, it's it's a bit ridiculous that this jazz station would cancel it. I mean, you think about all the other messaging that we've seen, especially over the years uh, with COVID. I mean, there's some pretty egregious messaging that the government's put out there uh, that still gets aired on a lot of these platforms. And, and what, they're going to go after somebody concerned about rolling blackouts? It's it, it's a bit ridiculous, you know, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, <laughs> well, less government messaging, the better. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I that is... <laughs> That is the nail on the head. But the thing that that I love about this that is so funny is the reason like the NDP in Alberta is so mad. They took out cover pages of newspapers to feature Rachel Notley. They advertise. They spend a fortune on this when they're in government, when they're not in government. They do things like this all the time. They've got massive budgets for this. And this is funny because one, first, tellthefed.ca sounds like a rebel news campaign. And they drove a truck around with lights on it. That is also something that we would do. So one, someone is clearly taking notes. I think that's self-evident. But the NDP does stuff like this. The liberal government, they're constantly doing stuff like this. Um, and then they're just mad that it's being done effectively by the Alberta government. And the aesthetics are good. Um, it just works and that's what they hate the reason they're attacking it and the reason they're suddenly saying the government shouldn't be advertising is because they do it all the time and now the alberta government is doing it better than them but i agree like i do think it's weird that the government's spending a bunch of money advertising and promoting this um i happen to agree with the message so i'm not all that upset but i i i like that you pointed that out because that is a very uh, fair criticism uh, we're going to change notes a little bit now here and we're going to uh uh, view the Premier Smith comment on the Calgary Catholic School District's new policy requiring staff to call students by uh, pronouns and names their parents prefer. So let's check that out quickly. Calgary Catholic School District has a policy on the books this fall for the first time that requires school staff to call students by the names and the pronouns that their parents prefer, uh, even when a student disagrees. So uh, the Premier, you, this is for the Premier, you've um, described yourself as an LGBTQ ally. Wondering if you agree with this policy and if the mayor would like to weigh in on whether she agrees, that'd be great. Well, I always approach these issues by looking at it through the perspective of the child. And we've been having discussions in our caucus and discussions uh, across um, watching what's happening across the country. And I would say from the perspective of the health of the child, it's important that all the adults in their life support them. And we would love to get to a point where everybody is included in a decision that a child makes. We are watching with interest to see how that unfolds. Uh, we don't have policy established on it yet, but we are having having those discussions. These are really very complicated family matters, um, very personal decisions. And I, my, it's been my hope from the beginning that we wouldn't uh, politicize this. I, I think that we have to always be mindful as we have these conversations that there are young people who are really struggling with gender identity, um, they're struggling with puberty, struggling with um, how they fit in. And I think we should 
it's incumbent upon us as adults to make sure that uh, we keep a, a safe, supportive environment for kids. So that's what we've been trying to do, trying to be very cautious that we, we, we maintain that kind of environment here and we're watching it with great interest. So this has been for me the one spot where I was worried a little bit about Danielle Smith um, as far as she, she is. I think she inherently is progressive on these issues uh, a little bit at least. But I think she's the reasonable sort of progressive there. And you heard it there that what is in the best interest of the children is for all the adults in their life, nominally their parents, to be sort of involved and, and notified. I don't like, however, that there wasn't sort of an, oh, and she was being very political there. Gioti Gondek, who we're going to hear from, was also at this conference. I'm not crazy about the fact that she was being so political as to not say parents are the primary caregivers or the primary educators or parents need to be included. She kind of said that, but not quite where I'd want it to be, though. But she also didn't cave completely and say, oh, no, everyone should do whatever they want, blah, blah, blah. What, what do you think about that? Well, I, I can't help but contrast it to the clip of Mayor Gondek, and this was back to back. Uh, they both answered mm -hmm. the same question. And, and you see, you know, Smith there talking about how the parents should, you know, be involved in this conversation. And then Gondek, if we could just pull up that cl clip straight away, yeah, you see the that. difference. And you, you can even see the attitude on her face as she walks out. She looks at Smith uh, with, a, you know, biting her, uh, her teeth, as it were. So although I'm not able to make decisions on behalf of students, I'm not part of the school board, I'm a municipally elected official, so I really don't have the ability to weigh in on the policy making, but I am also a human being that has a lot of compassion for other human beings. I'm a parent. There are many things that my child and I talk about. There are many things that don't get disclosed to me because they're kids. And sometimes they need to be kids. And all of us that grew up in the 60s and 70s, we would leave the house in the morning, we'd come back when someone screamed at us to get home from dinner, to get home to dinner. There were many things we didn't tell our parents. They weren't nefarious things. They were things that let us be kids. So I would just like to say to all the adults in the room, let your kids be themselves, their complete selves. And to the policymakers, make sure you're thinking about the people that you're making these policies for, and you're looking out for the mental health and well-being of children while you're doing it. Um, so the, the disconnect there would be if your kid was out with an adult who was talking to them about sex and changing their gender and you didn't care, that would be called negligent parenting. I, I get what she's saying as far as we've become a little helicopter parenty and people used to be able to do things a bit more. You're not going to be able to control every aspects of your every aspect of your child's life, but that is absolute BS, excuse my French, as far as what the concerns are about here. The concerns here are about teachers with radical agendas pushing them on kids and confusing kids, and that's not the type of innocuous thing that you just let slide. So I do appreciate, too, as you mentioned, and I'd like to hear you comment on this. You talked about the juxtaposition uh, between the two and, and how differing they were. But Danielle Smith is putting a bit of a spin on it, but she seems to be siding towards parents need to be informed and you can't exclude them and she's not willing to condemn it. GOT is trying to be political, too, but you can tell the way she leans on this issue. What, what do you make of the contrast there, though, Sid? Well, 
Exactly. You can tell exactly how she leans. And this did come right after Premier Smith, uh, uh, you know, gave her two cents. Uh, and this is Gondek suggesting that children should be able to have conversations that the parents don't know about. Children should be out of the house for an entire day without parents knowing where they are. Uh, this is the exact same kind of thing that is the problem here is she's suggesting that in schools, these private conversations parents are having, or children, pardon me, are having with either educators or other people that are hired to work at the schools, these conversations are leading to child mutilation. And, and these yeah. are the kind of conversations that Gondek is saying you shouldn't need to disclose to the parents of those children. So, you know, that's the brass tacks here. She's still going down those lines that we're seeing yeah. uh, lead to very horrible things happening to children here in Canada. And they're like, I'm a human and I care about humans, like as she's looking yeah. at Smith, implying she doesn't. Like it's just the disconnect is absolutely wild. And ultimately, and this is getting to be cliche, but I, I, I'm going to have to say it to you uh, one more time. Parents care more about their kids than the government does. And if they don't or if they're abusive to their kids, there are already laws in place to address that. Now, if the if the NDP government were to come out and say, Listen, there are cases of abuse. There are individuals who are bigoted against certain communities. Let's implement training or safeguards to ensure that no child is ever abused. That would be a different story. That's not what this is, though. The concern, no one would be upset about that at all. What people are concerned about is pornography being presented in schools, drag queen story hours, twerking in schools, um, kids thinking they're cats and kitty litter boxes allegedly, which could be an urban legend, but I've heard numerous uh, accounts of such things being verified. That is what parents are concerned about, their kids being confused. I remember I used to work for the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, uh, and one of the stories that we worked on, uh, a, a child came home, a girl, and she couldn't, she was so confused by what she had been taught in school, and she was asking her mommy if the table was real. And the mom didn't understand what the girl meant. And she said, well, like, I think I'm real, but the teacher said girls aren't real and it's just a construct. So like th this little girl didn't understand what was happening. And she thought maybe she wasn't real because girls are that like, this is not age appropriate. That is the type of stuff that people are concerned about. Um, now we're, we're running up against it. We've got a couple more stories from the headline that we want to get through. I, I do want to jump to this tweet, and this is part of it. This ideology, the, the disrespect of parents, the economic irresponsibility, the unlivability, the madness of the world has people fed up. Going back to people being upset with Justin Trudeau from the start, let's let's pull up Efron's a tweet here about this confrontation that he's sharing uh, with uh, Trudeau and, and someone who, who confronted him in Toronto. Frankly, I do want to say this is the closest thing that Trudeau's ever done to answering tough questions from journalists, I think. But uh, let, let's check this out. Criminal! Look at this fucking buck tea, bro. Look at this buck tea. Pleasure to see you as well. Hey there, how I'm you doing? I'm not shaking your hand, bro. You're a fucking piece of shit, man. Why is that, sir? You up the entire country. You got our buddy over there. Yeah, but so, how, how, how did I mess up this country? Can anybody afford a home in this yes. day? They're charging people, people carbon tax. You yes. got nine you know V8s here idling you know for 30 minutes. Tax? Your carbon you footprint is increasing. We're getting charged for what? You know what we're doing it's with not the stopping. Tax? No, we're putting a price uh -huh. on pollution, right? And we're returning it to families right. like yours. I don't think so. You're we sending are. it over That's to Ukraine, right? No, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You send over to the guy that you oh, went that slaughtered been, his own country. You've been listening to Putin, oh, have you? Putin? No, no. no. Definitely don't listen to, to to your propaganda, eh? You got propaganda, bro. Piece of shit, man.
Now, Trudeau has the language coming. I think the point might have been better made without the language because he hit some points on the head big time, big time. So the one there that killed me was you've got nine SUVs idling here and we're paying a carbon tax. There's the glaring hypocrisy there. But then there's the fact that he says, you're charging us a carbon tax while you're sending like $9 billion to Ukraine. That is just a categorical, factual, plain statement. Now, is there a direct correlation? Maybe, maybe not. But that is a statement of fact. We are paying, paying a ton of money and, and all this money is going to Ukraine. Trudeau's response there, you've been listening to Putin. Everything is always, to your point from earlier, Russian disinformation. That's that's it. It's Russian disinformation. Everything's Russian, Russian disinformation. The carbon tax is making gas unaffordable. Russian disinformation. Uh, we shouldn't be pushing uh, stuff in schools that, that's inappropriate for kids. Russian disinformation. This is just the response. It was India for a couple of weeks. We're back to Russia now. Interesting, it's never China. Uh, but what did you make of this video? What was your reaction? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I mean, this is utterly shameful behavior. And, you know, time and time again, we've been seeing people from across Canada, different accents and all, as it were, uh, uh, coming after Justin Trudeau. And he's just such he's doing such a bad job. Everyone can see it now. And what is the last thing he does as he runs and hides his tail between his legs is he says, oh, you've been, you know, take watching too much Russian propaganda. Basically, it's the same Russian propaganda line. And but this is the same guy, Justin Trudeau. I, they're the ones who I mean, they're they're actively censoring so much of the information that we have out there. And yet it's still disinformation, as it were. That's the problem. It, it, I, I'm truly blown away. But it, oh, oopsie, I hit my microphone there. Uh, I'm blown away, but it's also, you know, part and parcel with his attitude through all of this. And you look at the the pretend, you know, shock on his face or the sad look or whatever because he doesn't get a handshake. Yeah, it's it's absolutely pathetic behavior. And and to think he's surprised that there are people coming up to him with these issues that are actually debating him at a level with which he's having issues contesting. You know, this is just an average guy. Imagine if you forced Justin Trudeau to sit down in a room with, you know, 10, you know, scholars as it were, whatever, just raking them Real over the journalists. Goals, right? Yeah, yeah, or journalists, everybody, you know, force this guy to sit down in a room uh, uh, with anybody who can ask him hard questions over and over again, he, he's gonna look like an embarrassment 10 out of 10 times. Let's on that note, let's play the Joe Rogan clip really quickly. We're going to have you out here in five, 10 minutes, guys. I know we're going over, but there's still a couple articles to get to. Let's play this Joe Rogan uh, absolute roasting of Trudeau. They're regulating podcasts in Canada. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. yeah. And I was reading about what they're doing. It's terrifying. So they want to bring in this bill whereby they regulate podcasts. So what they want to do is every, every uh, podcast, uh, streamer or whatever it is platform that makes more than 10 million dollars revenue not profit revenue has to register with the canadian government they then want them to hand over information about their content and the people listening <laughs> to their right to their oh my God. to the to the government you imagine Trudeau. getting a hold of alex jones's email list <laughs> <laughs> probably a bunch of sentences on yeah. there <laughs> yeah oh yeah for sure i mean imagine yeah and then the government can get that they're talking right now about and maybe we're going to need to fact check this again because i met i was reading it this morning but basically they want it to promote canadian uh, something to do with like basically what Canadian greatness, whatever it is, they, they mm. talk about it and indigenous affairs. And you're like, oh, so they're going to say a number of things are un-Canadian. 
and then you can just silence them. Look what Trudeau, Trudeau, Trudeau did with the truckers. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. We just well, had one of their guys on to talk about it. Not just the truckers, but people who donated to the truckers got their bank accounts closed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is wild. Yeah. You got locked out of all of your money because you donated to a cause where you didn't think that people should have to take an experimental vaccine in order to be able to work to drive a truck. But. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? You get it? You think that's okay? Like, that's so not okay. The fact that those people aren't up in arms. The whole country didn't freak out and demand a, a fucking change. Like, you can't have... That's dictatorship stuff. That's right. what that is. It's Banana Republic stuff. We do these calls with our top supporters, and we have some in Canada. We have this lady who's been supporting us for years, and she, you know, she's always fine. And in the middle of this thing, she was like, I'm terrified. I c I'm not going to be able to eat because they, they're going to shut down my bank account. God. Right? In Canada. It's so crazy that they think they could do that if people disagree with them. Because that's all they're doing. They're just disagreeing. And they're supporting a protest. It should be – and it was a peaceful protest. Those people did it the right way. They just parked their trucks and they didn't block roads off. They didn't do anything fucked up. But if you frame it that these people, which is how they were being framed as racist far right, well, look, yeah. the, you're giving money to a far right racist organization. You're encouraging hate. Well, well, the government has to step in. We have to step in and we need to freeze everything because we need to make everything safe. Yeah, that is the catch-all. The, the Dr. James Lindsay event, it's so funny. A whole bunch of venues canceled. And in Edmonton, it wound up being the Sikh community that said, no, we're having this event in Calgary. It was a Muslim-owned banquet hall that was like, no, no, we're just not going to answer the phone calls. We're having this event. And and I got a shot that went semi-viral, actually, of the thousand people packed into this room. And I happened to be in the front area to the left near the door where people got there early. Turns out that area happened to be older folks. But it, older folks and quite a few of them were white. But there was tons of Sikhs, Muslims, people of all backgrounds who were in attendance at this event. Gay, straight, it doesn't matter because you're just a person who's coming together at this event. But the other side, what they did is they said racist, white supremacist, white trash, all oh, look how pasty the crowd is. Those are the comments. They just vilify, destroy, target. And, and that is the it's the language. And we talk about this. So many people have been in trouble for making comparisons to past regimes, whether it be communist, whether it be Nazi. But what they did is, is they took they, they made it all about identity. And anyone who disagrees with them, they made them an identity that was not agreeable, was not likable whatsoever. That's how they divide society. And that's what they're doing on this issue as well. It's extremely problematic. I do want to say, and just interestingly, one person uh, happened to make a comment, uh, Carolyn72, I'm a conservative trans woman, uh, new to rebel. That is the thing I absolutely love is you. it doesn't matter what your background is. You can be Sikh, Muslim, trans, straight, gay, Christian. It doesn't really matter. If you're concerned about freedom, if you're concerned about people being respected, being able to make those choices, and most importantly, we talked about this today, having a government that doesn't make it impossible to eat. It doesn't matter your background. You still have to eat. Um, those are the concerns that are bringing people together. Fighting against medical tyranny, fighting against inflation, fighting against unaffordability, and standing together as Canadians on those Canadian values that help build this country. That is what this is all about. One last story, and then we are going to let folks go. And I do want to touch on this because it is problematic. Uh, hockey Calgary not made aware of new Hockey Canada policy. I want to read you this policy, and then I want to tell you what's wrong with it. All participants have a right to utilize the dressing room or appropriate and equivalent dressing room based on their gender identity, religious beliefs, body image concerns, and or other reasons related to their individual needs. 
says Hockey Canada spokesperson Esther Mazia. Now, the plan for this is they're going to have a policy in place that requires minor hockey players and officials of all ages to wear a base layer before entering the dressing room or change room uh, in a private washroom or stall at the rink. Now, that's that's not the end of the world, but the, the issue is, is, I don't know if anyone here has kids who play hockey, but it's filthy. It stinks. The gear stinks. Everything's dirty. The one sort of saving grace might be the capacity to go have a shower after a game and strip everything. But the way lots of these arenas work, there aren't private locker rooms. They're collective locker rooms or might be one or two stalls. Uh, what's going to happen is you're going to have kids wearing underlayers that are going to, I guarantee you, there will be like infections and rashes and things just practically resulting from this crazy policy that's meant to cater to a very, very, very small number of people. Have uh, have any gender bathrooms so people can go and change in there. The sentiment that they have to be included in that everyone ha has to wear special undergarments. It's, it's, it, is a, it is a weird religious thing, but everyone should have to wear special undergarments in the selective environment in case one person on one team in the entire city happens to belong to some sort of other group, there's a disconnect and it's just not practical. It's not pragmatic. Um, and I think frankly, we need people from these communities saying, no, just, can you just provide us a different place and we'll, we'll make this work. I think it's problematic. Um, it's, it, it is wild. Now, mixed leagues could this be the precursor to everyone coming together the amount of injuries that can happen from that but what do you make of this sort of policy imagine wearing an underlayer anytime you went to a sporting event anytime as a child athlete no i think this is you know absolutely silly and you know what happened to, why, why can't we just stick to uh, the men's bathroom the women's bathroom and then the single-use bathroom for anybody who wants to use a single-use bathroom you want to have privacy okay great there you go you use that one bathroom over there that that's for an individual who clearly has individual issues uh, the idea that instead of that instead of taking that one single-use private bathroom uh, and turning that into a more useful outlet for some of these individuals who might want to you know deal with this and whatever they're they're, they're turning basically the men's bathroom and the women's bathroom with the change rooms, as it were, uh, into the exact same change room. Uh, that at the end of the day, give it a few decades of this behavior, everybody's going to be using the same toilet here. Uh, you're going to have women learning how to use the urinals. It's uh, it's not a good look. It's uh, it, it is truly a sad thing, especially when you're getting into young children and, and minors who are who are engaging in these mixed bathroom utility spaces. I guess it were. Uh, it's it is fairly sad. Adam, what's your take on it? Well, you know, the thing is, is they started making YMCA's where they're all mixed bathrooms. Um, and then they had so many issues like like all the minors unsupervised in one bathroom could hop into shower stalls and have unaccessed, uh, unfettered access, um, so to speak. It, not to mention the fact that there was there was peeping toms and weirdos. There, there's all these concerns. And now the new ones that they're they're building are, are they're not doing that anymore they'll have the collective changing spaces as an option but they will have the traditional change rooms as well for people who want that have the spaces make it inclusive but the other thing this is such a policy from the top down the like like yeah some rural ice arena is going to have the budget to completely modify their their bathrooms to have separate stall like this is not the real world of hockey um this is this is far off sort of ideologues trying to push whatever agenda they have without consideration for the real environment make accommodations that are practical and reasonable if they were to say when possible there should be a space for people who might not identify or have i, I don't care sure do that but this everyone absolutely needs to change their 
behavior and wear the religious undergarments that we've prescribed in order to acknowledge the new religion. That's where I think there is a problem with this. And like I mentioned, just the pragmatic things, kids wearing underlayers that they aren't allowed to change in and out of. I've played sports throughout my whole life. I played hockey. I played a bunch of other sports. Getting that gross, sweaty, disgusting gear off, having a shower and putting on clean clothes. Sometimes like you're going to school right after sports in the morning or you're going home to bed, you shower, you it's just not in i guarantee these policies are created by people who don't have kids in sports and that's that's problematic uh we need we need parents who actually have these experience consulting on this uh, any any final words before we wrap up here sid yeah well i know we're coming to a close and i do want to wish everyone a happy thanksgiving long weekend and remind everybody that tax is theft uh but there's also one thing i did want to bring up uh and that is uh, and I'll, I'll do this in a minute it's very quick uh, two headlines I shared in the thread uh, with our, our team uh, about population, sure. and, and there's a, a pretty shockingly, most of the population growth in Canada, I believe it was 98% quoted in this article, uh, is population increase from migration, uh, whereas the actual birth rates in Canada are falling off a cliff. Um, so it's a very stark difference in, in a reality that we're presented here in Canada. If we can pull up those two uh, uh, in short order, I'm not sure if we can. It's earlier in the thread uh, for the live stream here, but it's it's truly shocking to see that our population growth in Canada is solely driven uh, by migration. Yeah, the, the birth rate here has dropped off a cliff. That's the one half here. Um, and, you know, people obviously question what medical uh, treatments might have influenced this. Uh, but also think about the fact if our population has been growing by the millions over the last few years through migration, what does that say about our economic initiatives at a federal level? Uh, what does that say mm -hmm. about our environmental initiatives at a federal level? Uh, are we doing our part to have a more sustainable, you know, Canada and environment, as it were, as the federal government would try and allocate? Or, or are they accounting for, you know, taking in millions and millions of people uh, who don't currently have jobs are coming here to try and find jobs, try and find housing. Uh, uh, they're otherwise flooding our transit. They're causing uh, Canada to have a larger environmental impact and they're damaging the economy in many ways. And yet this is this is the path Justin Trudeau has led us down. He creates problems that he likes to talk about. So taxes theft, Adam, back to you. So, yeah, you, you hit something on the head there that I think that that folks struggle with, even people who are in support of the you know what um, they had to acknowledge, while not necessarily overtly stating that it affected fertility, but that said thing we won't mention on YouTube um, did affect uh, menstrual cycles. Which, which to those who, who understand science, despite doctors saying that that's not part of fertility, sorry to break it to you, but it's, it, it, the menstrual cycle is part of the reproductive cycle. Sorry to break that to you doctors out there who don't understand that. But I, I would suggest that more than a medical concern, what we have is an ideological contagion yep. because in progressive socialist left-leaning countries, the sort of replacement rate, people are having one kid or 1.4 or what they're not having two or or more than that which was was typical and the the economic growth that resulted from population growth used to be internal now it doesn't matter if you're in northern europe or you're canada united states uh, as progressive and left-leaning ideas spread through other parts of the world the notion of a nuclear family and the notion of having several kids that goes away as people pursue more meaningful things like money and vacations. I'm joking, of course, but I think that the ideological issue there is problematic. Where there's some some humor, though, or, or some irony, at least on, on behalf of these uh, these governments that are very happy to control population, is that they're bringing in massive numbers of, like, the same people who are espousing Bill Gates, World Economic Forum talking about, about reducing population, are bringing in record numbers of immigrants into areas that aren't polluting and are doing pretty well. Um, so that there's, they, 
the countries that have bought into their narrative are doing what they want and population would reduce gradually. But then the same same politicians are bringing in record numbers of people completely undermining their message. It's another in the holes in progressive thinking where their ends and their their ends and their means just contradict each other at every turn. One thing they're doing, uh, I, I know Jesus said, don't let your one hand know what the other hand is doing, but these people took that extremely literally and are, are fighting themselves. They're in a tug of war with themselves in seemingly perpetual fashion. Um, like the Oribus, self-consuming, uh, that, that is progressivism in a nutshell. Um, but yeah, taxes, theft, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I want to thank, you know, Thanksgiving coming up, let's take a minute. I want to be thankful uh, for for the incredible team we have at Rebel News, Sid, you're doing an incredible job on stream, and many of you, the videos that I put out, Sid and lots of our other folks are the people who edit them. So I'm so thankful for that. Our team in the studio for making this possible. Um, so grateful for all these incredible people we have the opportunity to work with. Grateful to see lots of you at some of these upcoming events, whether it's Ben Shapiro, Rebel uh, News Live. It's going to be an incredible treat. Um, but most importantly, I'm thankful for the viewership because if we didn't have people attending uh, our events, if we didn't have people watching our reports, if we didn't have people supporting us, and if we didn't have people joining us on live stream like you are today, well, there would be no point in doing this. So most of all, I am thankful for Rebel News viewers. And as always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. For Rebel News, I'm Adam Sose.